Uh, well, I do hope that you're doing well. I am Ben, I'm the lead pastor. And uh, if you'll take your outline out of your programs, we're gonna get to that in a moment as we continue uh, our series, One Million Reasons. You know, uh, as we've looked at this, this series I'm gonna explain in a moment is uh, part about how our spiritual growth uh, connects with what our ministry is together as a church. Part of that's a financial component, and I'm going to talk about that just briefly. But uh, I, I was wondering about that and thinking, ah, you know, uh, people, when you talk about money, that can make people feel a little bit weird. But I know you're used to high-pressure sales tactics because uh, this next week, I believe, or so, uh, the Girl Scouts start selling their cookies. <laughs> and I'll tell you, have you ever tried to get away from one of those Girl Scouts? I mean, I, 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 I would go down to the to a supermarket down from my house, and I'd try to sneak in, and then I'd hear, Pastor Ben, will you buy cookies from me? And I said, no, of course, no, of course I buy uh, all the cookies there. Well, did a little research on that. This has been going on uh, since November 11th, 1932. Uh, they began their uh, empire uh, with the Girl Scout cookies. Today, they sell three quarters of a billion dollars worth of cookies. Yeah, a big corporation. Uh, some of the favorites, of course, are, what's, what's your favorite one? Okay, well, I, I should It's like herding cats in here, you know? <laughs> I hope it's going better in uh, Duval and Issaquah. Well, I heard Thin Mints being uh, one of the... Uh, uh, one of the favorites that people have, and of course, we all have our favorites. Uh, there's the uh, peanut butter patties, uh, the caramel delights, all of those. Uh, well, I was thinking about the Girl Scout cookies, and I came across these images that I thought really described them. Uh, you're on a diet, not anymore. <laughs> Isn't that true? And then uh, this one I thought was great. I hate Girl Scout cookies, said no one ever. And uh, th this, this one, th stop on this one for a Remember, every time you buy imitation Girl Scout cookies, you're punching a little girl's dreams in the face. <laughs> now, now, this may offend some of you, but this is what our Girl Scout cookies made of. And uh, so it's made of this much sugar, rainbows, souls of small children, and crack. <laughs> and that's why you like Girl Scout cookies so much. Well, uh, this is amazing, and uh, it's hard to understand the hype until you actually try uh, Girl Scout cookies. Here's what we're trying to do is not get to, to hype, but really uh, hope in this series, One Million Reasons. Uh, I came up with the name One Million Reasons because one million is the number of people in the Seattle East Side area who are living life uh, apart from Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean necessarily uh, they're people who are dumb or bad. In fact, one of our missions is to reach uh, people who are smart but just irreligious. But they're living life apart from what God has for them, a very best which is known in Jesus Christ. And so we've been looking at what does it mean for us to grow in our faith and what does it mean for us to partner with God on that mission. See, our goal is to change that number is that there wouldn't be one million uh, people living apart from Jesus Christ anymore. 
Well, we're going to look at what it means to be a, a difference maker, and that's a really uh, the core of the message today. But I want to take care of a few housekeeping items uh, before that. Next week, I'm uh, wrapping up this series, and as part of the series was uh, us really letting our intentions be known when it comes to financial commitment. If this is your first week here, uh, then you probably are not up to speed. What we're doing is we're really eliminating all special offerings as a church. We're just saying, hey, what would my giving be over the next two years? And maybe if you have a next right step in that. In fact, we've had this chart again and again where you'd say, hey, maybe I've never given anything before. I'd be a first-time giver. I've given inconsistently. I'm going to be an intentional giver. You know, I've been intentional but haven't tithed, and uh, I don't have time to explain all of what that means, but it's just that your percentage giver tithe actually means my first tenth to God. And then beyond that, extravagant. And so whatever that would mean, that this would be a time where you would take your next right step in that area of your life. And so uh, next weekend, we're going to begin... Uh, to receive intention cards. We've actually received some. I told you not to turn them in last week, but many of you don't listen to me, I've discovered, and, uh, which is great. I mean, you know, you're saying, okay, my intention, I'm going to, you know, you just want to beat everyone else to the punch. Uh, so, uh, and if you're going to be out of town next week, I, like I said, next week we'll begin. We're hoping most come in next week, but that'll be the begin. I'm sure some will come in this weekend. You might be gone, and, and then in subsequent as well. And that really is one of faith step for you, uh, it helps us accomplish a mission God called us to. It's really about us going in new areas of mission and ministry and, and planning with that as well. And so, so it's really important, and I could explain all the reasons if you want to uh, talk to me about it sometime. But it, it is a significant step. I was reminded of this at our volunteer appreciation on Friday night. So uh, we, by the way, when we throw a party, we spare no expense when it comes to food. Uh, we brought in Chick-fil-A. And <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, brought in. And in fact, uh, I, I was there and I got a picture with the Chick-fil-A cow. Yeah, There's my, my wife looks awesome. I look like I've been on drugs or something like that. <laughs> and so as I was there at the volunteer appreciation party, uh, one of the people who is actually a retired person was describing, and she said, thank you for uh, the tithe challenge you gave in it. This was one I gave a number of years ago. She said, it was at a point when things were really in transition in my life, the, I lost my job, and, and you know, just a bunch of things had happened. But I decided to trust God with this area of my life. Uh, and it brought incredible blessings. And what she was describing in particular uh, is that it brought peace and helped her to grow in her faith, that it was spiritually transformational. And so that's what my hope is uh, during this whole season as we make our intentions. Uh, and, you know, I know some of you get, you know, uh, weirded out when people talk about money. I don't at all. It's not just because I'm Jewish. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's because I believe when God gets uh, uh, hold of that part of our lives, it's really a significant in, in our spiritual growth, not to mention the mission that we share together. So that's the housekeeping business. I want you to be faithful about that. I want you to pray about it. If you're a, a, a couple, you need to talk with each other and come to agreement on what that would look like over the next two years. And, and if you haven't uh, seen the explanation of the commitment cards, you can grab one of the uh, brochures, One Million Reasons, that will explain that. Uh, and if you're in disagreement in what you should do, uh, whoever heard from God, the higher number is right. And so I just want you to know that. Uh, so... Uh, 
what I want to do now, though, is uh, I want to look at something that really could, could apply to this, certainly, but applies a lot more broadly than this. And, and this is how, how do we become a difference maker? And if you look again and again in the Bible, it comes down to this. And this sounds, you know, this, you're gonna, what is this deep spiritual truth? Here's the deep spiritual truth if you want to live on mission with God, if you want to grow in your faith, and that's simply to listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. And what I want to do, I I could look at scriptures again and again that teach us how to do that, but I I want to look at a case study. Uh, This is a part of the Bible, actually earlier this year, uh, I did a message on uh, about Eli, and I talked about Eli and his sons. If you're not familiar with the Bible, you're like me. I grew up, I, I never, we never even had a Bible around the house, so this was all new to me. You're going to learn a little portion of the Bible. See, Eli was a guy, he was a spiritual leader who did a really bad job at home. His sons uh, really had incredibly bad behavior, and he enabled that behavior, and it led to their own destruction. And we talked about that uh, a number of months ago. And sometimes, you, if you've ever gone through something like that and you've failed, you've made a mistake, you might wonder, okay, is that it for me? Is that the end of my story? And past hurts, uh, when we bring them into our future, then they can be devastating. But we also might want to consider this. Would God want us to to live out a different rest of the story? We see this with Eli. Eli, if you were going to say, uh, he had an assignment from God, what is the one assignment you would not give Eli? Raising kids. He blew it with his own two sons. In really, uh, in a way, and I did a whole, you know, 35, 40-minute message on this, uh, in a way that he should have done better. But it's interesting, God goes right to that place of pain and right to that place of failure, and he gives him his greatest assignment, and if you read the Bible, the greatest success that he ever had, right at that point in his failure. And and it's something he teaches this young boy named Samuel, and we're going to talk about him, to do something that I think all of us need to learn how to do. And that's to understand the prompting of God in our life. Because otherwise, it's just going to be our own best guess. Now, God, God created you. He created intelligence and wisdom. I'm going to be talking about that in a couple weeks. But there's those times where even our intellect and wisdom are not enough, and we need to hear from God. See, our our intellect and wisdom, they'll take us pretty far. But then there's that step where we can't see, and we need to hear from God and do what he says. And see, those go together. Some people say, I just want to hear from God. And my question is, are you going to do what he says? Because if you're not willing to do what he says, you're probably not going to hear from God. 
And some of you are like, okay, hearing from God, is this, where, is this where all the weird stuff happens? They shave my head, they put me in an orange robe, I'm out selling flowers at the airport. Uh, no, it's, uh, I've said this about the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is my go-to. It's sort of like you hear this voice in your head and it sounds like you, but it's too smart to be you. <laughs> That's God's Holy Spirit working in you. But there's a sense where we can see the process in which that works, the environment in which that happens. And that's what I want to look at. So uh, let's begin with this case study. It says, uh, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Now Samuel was the son of Hannah, and she had come to this place of worship where Eli was the spiritual leader, and she was unable to have children, and in fact, uh, he couldn't even get what was going on. She was crying before God. He thought that she'd maybe had, you know, a little too much uh, celebration early in the morning. And finally, when he realized what was going on, he prayed a prayer, prayer of blessing. And he said, uh, God's going to give you that child. Now, the crazy thing is, God gives her exactly what she wanted most. And you know what she does? She says, God He's yours. I, you've blessed me, and I'm giving back this blessing to you. Now, she was still involved in his life and all of that, but he's raised in uh, this temple of the Lord. And we read, in those days, the words of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. Uh, it, the, one night, Eli, uh, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could not barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. So, so what we see here is that there's this sense that God is speaking, and now Samuel has the chance to respond. Well, what do we see inside this story? What are the, what I would say, essential elements for us if we're going to hear God and do what He says? Uh, number one is the right surroundings. Uh, we have to have uh, the right surroundings. Uh, we, we see this in the passage, uh, 1 Samuel uh, 3, 3. It says this, Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. So he's in a place of worship. Now you might say, Ben, can God only speak to me in a place of worship? No. But as we read the Scriptures, that's normally where God speaks to us, is when we're gathered around with other people who are worshiping God. God can speak to you wherever He wants to. But normatively, it happens in an environment. So why would that be? Why would it be in, in this environment? Is this you know, more special than the next room? Well, it's really what goes on in that environment and what would have went on in that environment uh, during the time of Samuel. There would have been uh, biblical teaching. Uh, he would have understood what God was about. He would have heard scriptures like Deuteronomy 6.5 where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Because when we understand, we don't worship the Bible, but the Bible tells us what God is like. It's God's uh, word to us. His his inspired word that tells us all the truth about God and how to live. It's not just one book like every other book. That God has specifically inspired it, not, not as I said, so we would worship it, so we would know him better. There would have been authentic worship. 
uh, a sense of uh, surrender to God. There would have been honest prayer. And in fact, this was modeled by Samuel's uh, mom, where she had come to God and she said, God, my heart is broken. Will you meet me? There would have been uh, sacrificial giving. In the temple, he would have saw people uh, uh, coming and giving their very best to God. Now, I know for, uh, for me, I'm a math person. How many, how many of you are math people? Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm a math person. Uh, it's funny, uh, I talk a lot for a, for a living, but when I, when I went to school and took my SATs and all that, I always did a little bit better in math. In fact, uh, the staff here at the church, they'll give me, hey, I have this great idea, and I cannot hear the idea until they tell me how much. And then I can hear the idea. So if, they, if you have an idea, you got to tell me how much because I'm not listening until you tell me how much the idea is. I joke uh, with my wife. My wife is definitely a math person, uh, except her math is a little bit different than mine. Uh, so uh, when she goes shopping, I'll say, she'll come back and I'll say, hey, how much was that stuff? And she'll go, oh, it was great. It was 30% off. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that mean? She says, that means it was a good deal. <laughs> you know, so, uh, we, so for me, I, I'm a math person, and so I'm always looking at, God, where are you stretching me uh, in this? And that's, again, why we're doing those intention cards. And then there's expectant faith. We see this again in the uh, life of Samuel. Uh, he, he, he probably learned this from his mom, Hannah, where he was expecting but not knowing what God's voice would be like. Isn't it interesting how we can be like that? Is that we, we expect we have this assignment to do, but we're always not sure, or we may not be sure sometimes, how to hear that. And that's really what he learns from his mentor. And that's what we really get to in the next point, is strategic relationships. Uh, that strategic relationships are uh, an important part of this. Uh, we all need relationships of people who are looking out for us, uh, people who are helping us. I went to visit my daughter. My youngest daughter works at Emerald City Smoothie in Redmond, and uh, she, so she will work there in the morning, and every once in a while I'll be down in that area, and I'll go, I'll uh, say hi to her, bring her breakfast, or we'll talk about something. So I went down this last week, and as I went in the store, it, there, she was with a customer, and so I, I sort of looked around a little bit, realized she was going to be making a smoothie or two, and so I just went out in my car until the customer left. Well, uh, I went back in. That customer was done sitting at the counter. There's another customer. So I'm just sort of wandering around the store and realizing, okay, I didn't want to bug her while she was at work, so I just waited a little longer, went out to the car and sat down, uh, and then finally come back in. Again, she's with the customer. This time, I just stay in the store while she's helping a customer, uh, and then uh, finally she gets done with that customer. Well, the first customer, he was still sitting in the store, and this store is not a place where you usually sit down for long periods of time and hang out. And I thought that was really weird. And then I uh, said uh, to my daughter, hey, can you come over here a second? And we talked about a few things and left. And uh, she, later on that day, she, she was talking to that customer because a guy came in every day, and she said, you seem to be hanging out here a long time. Uh, what were you doing? 
And he said, there's that creepy guy who just kept on coming in and out of the store. And I just wanted to make sure you were okay. So I'm that creepy guy. <laughs> and she said, that's not just a creepy guy. That's my dad. <laughs> okay, what does that have to do with anything? I don't know, but that was pretty good, wasn't it? Let me be a little serious with you for a moment. Uh, who's looking out for you? Who's looking out for you in your walk with Jesus Christ? Who's looking out for you spiritually and in every other way? Is there someone who, who you say, they're going to bat for me? They're, they're praying for me. And I'm not talking just about your grandma. I mean, we love grandmas too. Is there like a, a friend, someone around there? Who you say, there's the verse in the Bible in Proverbs 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Who's helping you be sharp in your spiritual life? God uses people again and again and again. And you might say, well, God doesn't have to use people, but that's pretty much the way he does it throughout society, throughout the Scripture. And so uh, one of the things that we do this time of year is we launch our growth groups. And growth groups, and they study books of the Bible, uh, what we're doing, you know, they can be recovery groups, divorce care, grief share, uh, addiction. Uh, we have marriage, a big marriage class, uh, parenting, financial. I mean, you name it. There's, there's over 100 groups. We're just opening up this weekend and already a third are full. So you want to you wanna sign up. Uh, so they're a relational environment where spiritual growth happens. And so if you want spiritual growth to happen, I'd love for, you know, to say all you need for spiritual growth is just to come and sit at the feet of Pastor Ben. <laughs> what we need is someone else in our life who's going to be our champ, who's looking out for us. Because we don't get it naturally. You think about this. So Samuel, if, if you study his life, really one of the greatest spiritual leaders in the nation of Israel, influential with the first kings of Israel, he, I mean, he was powerful, but it didn't come natural to him. So this is a little longer piece of Scripture, but I want to uh, read this. Uh, we'll read this together. It says, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and, uh, and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. So he thinks it's just Eli. So he went and he lay down, and again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me, my son. Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been yet revealed to him. A third time the Lord called him Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And Eli said, hey, kid. No, he didn't say that. No. <laughs> then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lay down, and, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He needed someone to teach him. You want to hear God? Then it's going to be other people 
speaking. I, I say in my own growth, I, I have a men's growth group I go to on Wednesday morning, uh, early in the morning, because I'm a morning person. And we're studying a book together, uh, a Christian book. It's about sort of those idols that can get in, in your life. And so uh, we'll talk about all sorts of areas. And we learn from the book, we learn from the Bible, but we also learn from one another. And I've seen it. Uh, one of the guys in our group uh, went on a, a missions trip because it's sort of challenged by what was going on in the group. No one's saying, hey, you need to do this. But it's that iron sharpening iron. And our church will only be as healthy as you are healthy spiritually, and that happens in relationship. Well, part of hearing God, and this is the part where it gets a little more difficult, is total surrender, is where we come before God and we say, God, uh, I want to know what you have to say to me. It's sort of like marriage. Uh, first you say I do, and then you learn what you said I do too. <laughs> and so, uh, and that's what it is. It's God, I, I'll follow you. Now tell me what you want me to do. Uh, we, we, we've said this here as a church, is that we say yes to God before we even know what the question is. And you, you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, in God's economy, it does. Because if we're evaluating God, saying, God, tell me what to do, and I'll tell you if you're worth following, then we're, we're not going to do it. And I, I don't know if God is going to really want to because he doesn't operate like that. He's God. But if we say, God, I, I'm scared to death, but I give you my yes. Now tell me what you want me to do, God. Now that puts us in a completely different uh, position. So we read, uh, the Lord came uh, and stood there calling uh, as other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Now, will you underline servant if you're taking notes? We don't like that word very much. We're not even sure what that word means. A servant means that we're saying yes, and then we're finding out what the assignment is. We're there to serve. I mean, I, I, uh, any of you were uh, like a waiter or busboy or waitress ever in your life? Any of you did that? Yeah, I did that too. Uh, evidently, the definitions have changed a little bit since I was a waiter <laughs> and a busboy. I was uh, at a meeting. This, I'm part of this group that oversees this group of churches in Seattle. Um, I was, it was on Queen Anne Hill, and as I was going there, I was going by Fremont. I used to live in Fremont, which, by the way, don't make any judgments because I used to live in Fremont. <laughs> but I, I used to, and they have all these great little hipster restaurants there. And uh, I was there getting breakfast. I went over early for the meeting. And there was really no one in the restaurant and, and uh, that said, wait to be seated. And so I did. And the servers were sort of talking with each other. It went on for about five or six minutes. And I said, hey, will, uh, can I go ahead and grab a seat? And she comes over and she says, yeah, it'll just be a minute. And then she goes and finishes the conversation. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, this isn't going to be so, uh, so good. So I uh, finally got seat down there. And it was sort of this interesting thing where uh, it was like, you know, it felt like an inconvenience. And have you ever thought about that? Have you ever been in a place where, where you're serving and you say, God, I'm really willing to serve you, 
But then you're saying, God, you're sort of inconveniencing me. When it comes to ministry, we had our volunteer appreciation. A lot of people serving God, saying, God, I'm going to serve you. Uh, and, but it's not saying, God, I'm going to serve you and it's an inconvenience, but I'm going to serve you because you're worth it. We talked about finances. God, I'm going to give to you because I guess I should. No, because, God, you're worthy of it. I'm going to worship you, God, because it says in the Bible I'm supposed to come and worship. No, God, because you're worth everything, and I'm declaring your worth. See, that's what this is really uh, about. It's about number four, redefining success. I've had a lot of conversations lately uh, with people who really from a, a career perspective and a financial perspective have found great success in their life. Who would, you know, if they're sort of winners and losers, people who love Jesus, worked hard. Remember I said if, you work, if you're a worker, you should work hard, do incredibly well at work, get promotion, get pay raises. These are people who've done that kind of thing. But then they're saying, I really even want more than I have, and not more in terms of money, not more in terms of influence, but more in terms of, God, am I making a difference for you? You know, I, I, I was thinking about Eli as he, in this account that we read, as he was seeing God work. And he probably wanted God to work in his son's lives, and that didn't happen. Through him and his, his ministry had been, well, it had been a mixed bag. Where God used Eli was his investment in someone else. We read this. It said, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. He said to uh, Saul, to David, You are the kings of Israel. And then said, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there revealed himself to Samuel through his word. See, because of the investment that Eli had made, because of the openness that Samuel had, he came to the point where it was no longer a mystery if God was speaking to him. He had developed an intimacy of relationship where it was normal to get that sense that God was there and God was speaking to him. So how are we a difference maker? We listen to God, and we, we do what he says. So I, as I close up this message, I, I told you I didn't want this to, to just be about the initiative and, and all of that. I've talked about that the last few weeks. I wanted you to really get that point. But I know there's a crossover with this of uh, how do we listen to God, especially with the financial part of one million reasons? And, and I don't want to tell you, uh, I thought it would be better to let other people tell you. See, there's a number of people who, as I've said, who have, have made advance intention cards and commitments. And I just thought it would be good for those of you who are here. By the way, if you're a guest here, this is, you know, this is church family business. You, uh, you get to uh, just uh, hang out, relax. When the offering comes by, just take out a few bucks. And, no, the, <laughs> don't do that. The ushers will slap your hands. But, the, uh, uh, but this is for those who would say, I follow Jesus Christ and I want to invest in his kingdom work. And I, and I just thought this would be helpful. And at Timberlake, 
And I thought this would be helpful for you to hear their process. Take a look at this.